We are so glad you're listening to our podcast. My name is Art Wright, and I'm the senior pastor here at Williamsburg Baptist Church in Williamsburg, Virginia. Williamsburg Baptist is a congregation that has been in life and ministry for roughly 193 years now. It really is amazing to see the ebb and flow of life in this place. Certainly the last year was a hard one for us. Like so many churches, 2020 was full of unexpected surprises. Um, But we found silver linings, and as we move deeper into 2021, we have a sense that God is at work in, in in our midst in new ways, that God is continuing to surprise us at who who is showing up through the door. We see each week new faces and familiar faces alike, faces that we haven't seen unmasked in far too long, uh, but we're delighted to to gather again in person and also in virtual spaces. We're so glad that you are choosing to listen to our podcast because we one of the things that we've learned from the pandemic is that our ministry extends beyond our walls. Maybe I should say we remembered that, to be honest, that we're called to be church even to folks who may never even set foot inside our walls. And so we couldn't be more thrilled that you're listening. The sermon that you're about to listen to is based on the story of Balaam and the talking donkey from Numbers 22. If you want to read Numbers chapter 22, verses 1 through 40, that will give you a good background from the text. I'll say this in the sermon. I didn't understand hardly anything about, I didn't remember hardly anything about the sermon before I started researching and reading into it last week. And so I'll try to give you a little bit of a backdrop and context in the sermon itself. It is a strange story, but also marvelous and humorous. I hope you'll hear the humor in it as well. The sermon title is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. It's called Smart Ass, and uh, I'll let you take it how you will. But I do hope that the sermon itself is helpful and meaningful to you on your spiritual journey and that uh, and that you find ways to experience God and hear God's voice listening to you, whether through the voice of a talking donkey or maybe through my own meandering attempts to preach on that story as well. If you want to find out more about our church, head on over to www.williamsburgbaptist.com and check out some of the things that we've got going on in the life of the church. We really would love to hear from you too. If you want to shoot me an email, pastor at williamsburgbaptist.com come straight to me would just love to know you're listening in but also would welcome uh you know hearing a little bit about who you are or prayer requests you like to share anyway enough from me for now blessings to you thanks so much for listening hope you enjoy the sermon Thanks, Deb. That was an amazing story that you told. For, I mean, it's right out of the book of Numbers. And Jenny, thanks for reading scripture. We toyed with the idea of having Jenny read the King James Version for the scripture reading this week, but it uses a synonym for the word donkey that we felt would have half of us blushing and the other half giggling like middle schoolers for the rest of worship. So we stuck with the NRSV. <laughs> If you don't know what word I'm talking about, it's in my sermon title. Speaking of being yourself. (laughs) I'll be honest, 
I wonder if you're in this situation too. I remembered almost zero about the story of Balaam and the talk, talking donkey before I sat down earlier this week to try to figure out what in the world to share with you in my sermon. Obviously, the talking donkey stands out in my memory, and I knew he was blocking a road, but I couldn't for the life of me figure out where Balaam was going, what he was trying to do, or why the donkey was stopping him. Anybody else resonate with that? I mean, I remember the donkey talking from childhood, but nothing else from the story. So if you find yourself in similar shoes this morning, let me give you a little bit of the backdrop just to sort of set this up. All the way back at the end of Genesis and really into the book of Exodus, the, the Israelites had become slaves in Egypt. But God has used Moses and Aaron and Miriam to liberate them. And they make their exodus from captivity and begin to journey through the wilderness towards this land of milk and honey that God has promised for them, to the promised land. Of course, various peoples already live there, and the Israelites essentially become invaders into this, uh, into this country uh, at God's direction. They, have, they defeat a Canaanite army, they defeat an Amorite army, and they arrive in the plain of Moab, where the Moabites live, on the edge of the Promised Land. The text flips over curiously at this point, and we follow the point of view of the bad guys, we, Balak is the, the sort of the point of view of the story. Balak is the king of Moab, and the Moabites know that the Israelites are coming, and they are terrified. In fact, verse 4 is a marvelous text. This horde will now lick up all that is around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. I hope someone somewhere has that verse tattooed on them. <laughs> Do you need a tattoo verse? Numbers 22.4 might be what you've been looking for. Anybody a Hamilton fan? The musical Hamilton? I see a couple. No really enthusiastic folks. <laughs> There's this moment in the text where it's somewhat analogous. George Washington realizes that he and his army are hopelessly outmatched by, by the British army, and he needs some backup. And so he sings... We are outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, outplanned. And Balak realizes like Washington that he needs a right-hand man. But instead of calling up Alexander Hamilton, he gives a call to Balaam. Balaam is a world-class prophet practiced in the arts of divination if you're wondering what divination is, I was too. Nowadays, you'd think fortune tellers, tarot cards, uh, Ouija boards. Uh, he probably would play Dungeons and Dragons too. I'm just going to guess. Balaam isn't an Israelite. He doesn't worship the Israelite God. He lives something like 400 miles away from the Promised Land. He's apparently a mercenary prophet of sorts. And so King Balak sends his people hundreds of miles to hire him, saying, Come curse the Israelites for us, so that we Moabites can defeat them in battle. And oh, by the way, we'll pay you a lot of money if you help us. Sound good? Balaam's ears perk up at the offer. He's interested. But that night he goes to sleep and he has a dream and God tells him in the dream, you shall not curse the Israelites, because I have already blessed them. 
So the next morning, Balaam relays the message to the Moabites, and he says, I can't do it, I'm sorry. And they're desperate, so they come back with a counteroffer. They, they basically say, look, here's a blank check. You fill it in however you want. Whatever you want, we'll get for you. As much money, name your price. Whatever you want, it's yours. Balaam knows the right thing to do, but he's tempted by the offer. He ends up sort of like vacillating between his options, but he ends up going with the Moabites after all. He saddles his soon-to-be-famous donkey, and he's on his way. God, of course, is angry that Balaam has decided to go, and so God sets up an angel to block the road. You can't go this way back to King Balak. You can't go to, to curse the, the Israelites. And the angel of the Lord, the NRSV version says, took his stand in the road as his adversary. Now, this is bonus information, a quick aside it's not going to be on the quiz. The word for adversary in Hebrew is Satan. It's a rare word in the Old Testament. It only appears a handful of times. Satan literally means something like adversary or obstacle. And you can probably hear the English cognate word, right? Satan. It's a Satan, a Satan that blocks the road. It's not the prince of darkness. It's an angel on God's payroll. This term will evolve in usage by the New Testament era. It's another rabbit to chase for another day, but it's curious. Uh, this is the usage, I think, that Jesus has in mind when he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He's not saying, get behind me, Prince of Darkness. He's saying, get behind me, obstacle. Don't prevent me from the mission that I'm trying to accomplish in the world. So anyway, tuck that back. We'll have that conversation another day. Fair enough, okay? It's just a curious note in this chapter 22 of Numbers. So this adversary, this Satan, blocks the road. For whatever reason, the donkey can see it, but no one else can. Now, I'm told that donkeys are apparently rather smart animals. In fact, Ellen sent me an article this week about a donkey, a, a real-life donkey nowadays, that will sing whenever you give him a carrot. And so it sees this invisible angel holding this flaming sword, blocking the road, and it does, I think, what any smart donkey would do in that instance. It gets off the road. Deb did a great job recounting this. Balaam smacks the donkey, trying to steer it back on course. Donkey tries to avoid the angel again. It scrapes Balaam's foot against a wall. Balaam strikes it again. Finally, the donkey has no other options left and it simply lays down under Balaam, and Balaam hits it with his staff one more time. If you get the sense that this is a funny story, it is. I think we should imagine, in antiquity, storytellers sitting around a fire in the evening, drinking wine, telling this story, and laughing uproariously at it. It's supposed to be funny. Scripture has a sense of humor. Lo and behold, God prompts the donkey to start speaking to Balaam. What have I done to you that you struck me these three times? And Deb was exactly right. The text does not say, and then Balaam fell off the donkey because he couldn't believe the donkey started talking. Balaam doesn't bat an eyelash. He just says, you made a fool out of me. All these Moabite officials are laughing at me because I can't control my own donkey. And now they're going to tell King Balak that and I won't get my payday. God 
opens Balaam's eyes, and he sees the angel standing on the path before them. He realizes what has happened, realizes the donkey has saved him from certain death. The story will continue into chapters 23 and 24. If you're bored this afternoon and need some reading material, I encourage you to read it. Balaam does end up going with Balak, but he ends up blessing the Israelites rather than cursing them, much to Balak's dismay. It is a strange story, but at the same time, it's an amazing story. I can't help but wonder where you see yourself in the text or how you might imagine God speaking to you through this story. I made a joke last week about three-point sermons and Lot's wife. I said, there's no way we should try to distill a sermon to three points. Lo and behold, Caroline Fetter sent me a three-point sermon her father had written on Lot's wife. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take this as a personal challenge this week. I don't think I've ever written a three-point sermon in my life. But here you go. If you're taking notes, here are three key takeaways from the story of Balaam. Number one. Unless you're in the movie Shrek, if your animal starts talking to you, listen to it. I don't care if it's a donkey or your dog or cat or rabbit. If an animal starts talking, I think it's probably important. It's probably God speaking to you. I say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I can't help but wonder if maybe there's a serious point too. I don't know if some of you have had this experience so often in my own life. I'll be, for example, sitting on my couch thinking, I need to do the dishes and clean up the playroom and do such and such or start cooking dinner. And my cat will hop in my lap. And I think, maybe this is God's way of telling me that I need to enjoy Sabbath rest. I see a couple of folks this is resonating with. Sometimes I think God might just, in fact, be speaking to me through my cat. Who knows? If God created everything, perhaps there is divine wisdom in animals. Somewhat related, I think that we should expect God to speak to us in unexpected ways. So often in our faith journeys, we listen for God's voice in ways that are comfortable for us. We end up harboring our own biases about what we think God should say to us. And so we only listen or spend time with folks who think like we do. But what if God happens to be speaking through someone we least expect? Whether it's a donkey or Balaam, a pagan prophet. You might consider reading books that challenge you. If you get to the end of a book, a spiritual book, and agreed with everything the author said, was it really worth reading it in the first place? Expect God to speak in unexpected ways. Number two, don't curse what God has blessed. And if Father Richard Rohr is to be believed, that's everything. God has blessed everything. Our overwhelming tendency in life as humans is to curse things, I think. I don't necessarily mean to speak evil, magical words upon them, like some sort of voodoo magic. To, but to speak bad words about others or to see all of the ways in which they're wrong or fall short, to see the worst in a situation, and then to allow that to shape our reality. It's a very human thing to do. 
But God calls us to be a blessing to others and to the world. I was driving home yesterday from Camp Alkilana, which is the summer camp that my wife directs. She's, they arrived Wednesday. She has counselors that she's training right now. And so I took the kids out for a couple days to visit her and also to do some training with her lifeguards. The kids and I got in the car yesterday at quarter past four, and about 30 minutes up the road, my older son said he was car sick. So we pulled over annoyingly and stopped, and he got out to try to calm his stomach. Got back in. We keep going, and five minutes later, he starts panicking again. Against all odds, we make it to McDonald's in Stanton for dinner, and we sit in the parking lot in the hot car for 30 minutes because the restaurant is closed on the inside. An hour later, my younger son threw up all over himself in the back seat. <laughs> we were still 45 minutes from home. We got home later than expected, tired, dirty, and smelly. I still had a sermon to finish. By certain objective measures, it was a terrible trip home. I had every right to be in a foul mood. And yet, because I had taken time to set my intentions, I was able to see this time in the car together for the gift that it was. I had bedtime routine that was a gift, reading time together. Each of us views the world through a lens, and we have the capacity to choose that lens through which we see the world, blessing or curse. My advice to you would be to choose the blessing. Choose to see the world as a blessing, and choose to see other people as a blessing, and then be a blessing to others as well. Last point. If you keep trying to go a certain direction in life, and it just isn't working out, if you think you're supposed to go one particular direction with a career path, or perhaps you think a friendship or relationship is supposed to evolve or go a certain direction, but it's not developing that way, and you keep getting let down, or it just isn't working, maybe it isn't working for a reason. Churches fall into this trap too. We think we're supposed to be a particular type of church or have a particular type of program or reach a particular type of people and we keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and it feels like we're banging our head into a wall. Maybe it's not supposed to be that way. I would invite you to take this story, the story of Balaam, as an invitation to let it go. I'm not going to break into song this time. Frozen, let it go. I, I, there. <laughs> it's okay to let it go. Change direction. Trust that the God who has led you this far will continue to lead you, even on a new path, to lead all of us on a new path. Balaam is a complicated figure in Scripture. He shows up in the New Testament again. But he is like all of us, complicated figures with complicated motives, complicated ideas of what we're supposed to be up to in the world, and ultimately questionable decisions. Wherever you are on the journey, whatever path you're on, whether you're upright walking on your own two feet or find yourself sitting on a stubborn donkey that won't take you where you want to go, the invitation is to try to be present in the present moment, sense God's presence with us here and now. 
Open your eyes. Let's open all of our eyes and our hearts to see God is on the path with us. And then trust that God will show us the way forward together. Thanks be to God. Amen.